but I felt like I was in it. Uh, it was an electrifying game, uh, a fast start uh, and a strong finish that we had. So uh, even though I wasn't there uh, physically, I felt I was there spiritually. Uh, so that was very exciting. So, But this is a different game. It is a different game. That is Jameis Winston talking about the game he wasn't a part of, the Buccaneers' 48-40 to victory over the New Orleans Saints. Well, a few months later, here we are again, and oh, so much has changed for the Buccaneers. We're going to delve into that as we welcome you to our podcast here on uh, pewterpirates.com. A few extra bucks. We'd like to thank our title sponsors off the bat, House of Brews in Lutz, Florida, on the corner of Northdale Mabry and Van Dyke, and of course, Sea Dog Brewing. Company, two great locations in Treasure Island and, of course, in Clearwater. Great brews, great food, great service. I got to welcome in our producer, Justin Thomas, who has downloaded a lot of sound. You know, I cover the Saints and the Bucks, kind of have a strange life, and we, we've downloaded a lot of good sound on both sidelines, haven't we? Yeah, this is actually probably the most sound we've had, it, maybe ever. Yeah, we have stuff from Drew Brees. I had a chance to catch up with him in New Orleans. You won't find that on any other podcast covering the Bucks or any covering the Saints as well. It was an exclusive one-on-one with Drew Brees. He talks about Jameis Winston and this Buccaneer rematch. We also have a lot from Jameis Winston. Have a great set on he and Drew Brees coming up and Dirk Cutter as well. But we have to bring in the meat of our sandwich here on a few extra bucks. Roy Cummings, how are you, my friend? Is that a spam sandwich that we're having here, guys? <laughs> you said that. I was giving you a compliment. Some kind of meat product. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I don't think I've ever been referred to as the meat before. I think I've been called meat a few times. But uh, <laughs> hey, I'll take any compliment I can get. Hey, yeah, the, you're the heart of the order, I should say. You're the you're, you know the, the cleanup hitter here. Thank uh, you. Few extra bucks. Well, well, let's delve right into it. You know, we, we heard Jameis Winston off the top. Spiritually, he was into it. I, I thought Jameis Winston's press conference today revealed a few things, Roy. Uh, first, the visor gate has finally been confirmed. He's been wearing that visor the last couple of games. And he's been playing great, no interceptions. He said it's just all about swag, the visor. No, 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 no big story behind that at all. Nothing with his eyesight or any of that. Swag, huh? Wow. Yeah, it's all about the swag, man. I, I didn't expect that. I mean, I, I really thought it was more of a safety thing, but how much swag do you get out of a visor? I mean, <laughs> it's a visor. Well, you know what? I, in terms of me, guys, we always have our three and out segments. So if you're just uh, listening for the first time, you got to hear our three and out segment at the end. We throw kind of off-topic pop culture stuff. I don't know about you guys, but I've never been a big spending a lot of money on sunglasses guy because I have had nice sunglasses and I always lose them. So, you know, I try to learn from my past mistakes. So I guess I don't have as much swag because my sunglasses may cost $15. I mean, I don't know if I, there's a parallel there, but you know what I'm saying, maybe. But, you know, the visor for a quarterback, it can't be a tinted visor. It's just a clear visor, which, you know, you can barely see the thing. But swag, huh? All right. Well, hey, okay, good. Good for him. Yeah, before we it's delve working. into James, James Winston's mindset, uh, here's uh, here's what he had to say about how he mentally prepares for football games now. I meditate uh, weekly, uh, daily, uh, actually in the morning, uh, just to get control of your emotions and and to uh, to be present. Uh, I use an app called Headspace. Uh, it's a pretty good app. Uh, just uh, puts everything in perspective, slows things down. Uh, it always talks about how. Uh, you don't self-talk is not necessarily good um, because you're not present. 
Uh, sometimes you just got to live in the moment and uh, trust your instincts and, and go out there and play. All right, I'm not making fun of Jameis Winston at all. Just like the last podcast, we're not making fun of people who paint their face at games. But I, this was kind of a revelation to me. And this is, I think, very good because, I, personally, I don't meditate. Um, I, I appreciate people if that, if that helps them out. Maybe I need to get the uh, Headspace app. I, I'm not sure how that works either. But you know what? I will say this, Roy. You know, it's obvious to me that we've seen a different Jameis Winston since he came into training camp and he is, uh, you know, came back from his suspension in terms of emotions. He's not overly emotional, the same guy that we saw his first three years in the NFL. No, uh, I mean, we're seeing signs of maturity. I, and I don't know if everybody would think that, you know, meditating is a sign of maturity, but I mean, hey, if that's what's working for him, the whole the holistic approach uh, to wellness, good for him. Um, I mean, let's face it again, much like the visor, it's working right now. So uh, certainly not going to criticize it, not going to ridicule it, uh, not going to make fun of it in any way. I- I'm happy for him. Um, you know, look, everybody has their little thing. I- I've never been a guy who quite understood, you know, the guys who go and, you know, put their helmet on and then smash it against the locker and that kind of thing <laughs> either. So uh, the guy who meditates, Hey, good for him. I mean, if, if it puts you in the zone, man, good. Because, look, these games are a big chunk of it is, me- is mental. It's how do you handle things mentally. And if you have uh, some internal confidence or an internal zen moment that, that you can get into, go for it, man. Whatever works. Uh, nobody's going to knock you. Yeah, I thought, you know, we, we learned a lot about Jameis Winston in today's presser. And, you know, Here's a, here's a stat that uh, I find incredible, Roy. And I don't like talking to you and Justin about a whole lot before these podcasts because I like to get your initial reaction, hopefully surprise you. But I, I did do quality research for this podcast, just so you, you guys know. I, we don't just like flip the switch and start <laughs> yapping here. We try to do some research. And I did some research looking at Jameis Winston's numbers compared to Drew Brees as we kind of move forward from meditation and visors to the actual game here. Um Drew Brees' first year in the NFL was basically a redshirt year. So I'm going to throw that out. He sat behind Doug Flutie, and he didn't have a start. Okay, so we'll move past that. And keep in mind, Jameis Winston didn't have that redshirt year. He was thrown to the Wolves pretty much right away. So in the first four years as starters, right, touchdowns, interceptions, completion percentage, comparing Drew Brees to Jameis Winston, Roy the stats are virtually even. In fact, if you compare the numbers, Jameis Winston has more touchdowns, 81 to 79. And oh, by the way, he still has four games to pad that stat. Interceptions, he only has two more than Drew Brees did. Then again, he could pad those stats as well. Completion percentage, almost identical. Brees was 62.1%. Jameis Winston, 61.7 in their fourth season in the NFL. Drew Brees was, like Jameis Winston, benched numerous times by Marty Schottenheimer, his head coach, for throwing interceptions. So if you're a Bucks fan, how about that for good news? Because you know what? It takes a while for these quarterbacks to learn in this league. I'll tell you what, Mike. You know what? You get, you get the Bury the Lead Award for this one because <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised you didn't come out of the box with that one. That is, that's a hot take right there. I mean, who would have thought that? I mean, that is an incredible comparison of a Hall of Fame quarterback and a guy who a lot of people are ready to just absolutely dump on. And, and I look, I will say this, I, and I, 
I think the biggest problem the NFL, well, there's a, there's a lot of problems the NFL has, but I think one of their biggest problems is they are so quick to give up on young quarterbacks. Nobody develops these guys. They want them to step in right away and basically be Drew Brees right away. Well, look at this. If you if you just take a little bit of time and develop a guy, look what can happen. And, you know, I, I know this for a fact. I think if you look back at most of the great quarterbacks, you will see, certainly it was this way with Brett Favre. I think it was this way with Fran Tarkenton. I think you can look at a lot of great quarterbacks and see that their first three, fours, th- three four years in the league were really rocky. And, you know, maybe they weren't as, as criticized as James Winston has been, but teams stuck with them. And as a result, uh, they had a chance to grow and develop into the players that they became. And I think that's the key to, to success for James Winston, too. We see the talent there, no doubt about it. It's a matter of him finding that groove and staying in it more often than he falls out of it. And I think you do that through experience and realizing that it's not all about you. It's, and I don't mean that in a negative way, that it's not always on you to make all the plays, that you've got a defense and a running game and receivers that you just have to get the ball into their hands with and that kind of thing. And, I, and clearly, I mean, that has, you know, that's what's happened with Drew Brees. He obviously figured that out. Uh, he improved in terms of his own game. He's a very accurate passer now, whereas those numbers suggest that he, he was uh, not that accurate when he first got into the league. But over time, these guys get better, and there it is right there. Uh, tremendous stat. Great uh, original research I there, appreciate Mike. it. Uh, Jameis Winston, uh, I wanted to attend his presser today, but I had to go to Fox 13, and I appreciate them having me out. But they had to kind of move around the practice schedule today. So I, I asked Kevin O'Donnell of Fox 13 to ask Jameis the question about those numbers, and here's what Jameis had to say today. In terms of numbers, um, it's, it's really about winning. You know, um, I know uh, from a career perspective, you know, I – I reflect on that at the end of seasons right now. I'm just focused on this week, seeing what I can do to get better this week. Um, other than that, you know, I, I only got nothing to say about it, but he's the GOAT. And if, uh, if I'm being compared to him in any way, um, it's, it's a blessing, definitely. It's a great stuff from Jameis Winston. Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the intro, I had a chance to talk to Drew Brees at Link this week on Tuesday about uh, all things Saints, uh, his legacy, his great MVP-like season. But we also talked about the Bucks, And he says he, he, he respects Jameis Winston's work ethic and many things about him. But here's what he had to say about Jameis Winston and his thoughts on the Bucks quarterback in his fourth season. You know, I don't, I don't think you see any guys that come in and just get, have it figured out. You know, I mean, it definitely takes some time and um, – you know, so much of it has to do with the pieces that are around you and the system that you're in and just, you know, catching some breaks too, you know. And, and so, um, listen, I, I know this. We've always had our battles with the Bucks, and we've, I feel like Jameis has always <laughs> found a way to make plays, you know. And um, I, I, obviously them being a divisional opponent, not only are you playing against them twice a year, but you're watching a lot of their film because you're playing similar opponents. And, um I've been Im- impressed with you know his growth and his development, and um, you know while for any young quarterback there are ups and downs, you know I I have heard a lot of things uh, good things about his work ethic, you know and his you know des- desire to be a great player, and um, you know I, I think you 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 see that show up. 
about that from Drew Brees? Uh, you know, he's always going to keep it professional. But, you know, I think, you know, Jameis Winston's known around the league as a guy who has a, a boatload of talent, Roy. But he's also he has the reputation, obviously, the off the field stuff. But people also know how hard the guy works. And, you know, that's one of the first things that Brees said to me when I brought up his name. You know, I, I liked what I heard there um, because it sounded genuine. You know, Mike, we do these conference calls with the uh, with a, the coach of another team or the coach of the opposite team, the opponent for the week, and usually a player. A lot of times it's a quarterback. And in those conference calls, uh, you know, you hear a lot of, again, you hear a lot of cliches. Um, and you, you always, you know, when you ask a coach or a player about you know, somebody like Jameis Winston, usually hear the same thing. Oh, yeah, you know, really a good player, a lot of talent there. They're never going to say anything, you know, negative, obviously. But what Drew Brees was saying there really sounded genuine, and he brought up things, as you say. He brought up the work ethic. He brought up how, you know, he even paused for a moment, and you could just kind of see it, you know, kind of almost see him, you know, almost shaking his head saying, man, I don't know, all I know is the guy always finds a way to make plays against us, and he makes it tough on us. And I think you sense a genuine, true, as you said, a genuine level of respect. And then you've got the perspective of all of his time in the NFL, plus his experience, obviously very similar to Jameis Winston's coming into the league and saying that, hey, you know what? It, very few guys have it figured out. And that's the point I was making earlier. Uh, I, I just think that the NFL has become, they expect everybody to have it figured out as soon as they come in. Fans expect it, teams expect it, owners expect it, and, it, and it's just wrong. And it's not just quarterbacks. You know, it's everybody. Everybody expects, you know, instant gratification and it's just it just doesn't happen. I, I would just I don't know for whatever reason you know you would just love to see teams be a little bit more patient with players. I think they'd find that uh, in the end they'll probably be rewarded for it. But uh, really interesting stuff there from Drew Brees. And again, I, I think he speaks uh, genuinely. He's just not throwing you know answers out there to answer the question. It seemed like a real genuine. Uh, uh, commentary on, on what he knows about James. Yeah, Winston. it seemed to be. And it, here's the interesting angle with, uh, with Jameis Winston today. You know, he has said he has a lot of mentors that he has leaned on, especially this year with all the ups and downs he's had, you know, between the suspension and being benched and all of that. He didn't want to name names, but he also had this to say about Drew Brees, kind of a funny story. And keep in mind, uh, Drew Brees had his shoulder surgery in Birmingham when he was a free agent. Uh, between the San Diego and New Orleans years, and Jameis Winston grew up in Birmingham. I think this is a possible connection. I had Drew Brees' first autograph um, when he went to the Saints. Uh, I had seen him uh, at a place in Birmingham, and he had gave him his autograph, so I still cherish that to this day. He probably don't remember it, but I do. You know, I wish I was there because I would have followed up and asked Jameis the timeline of that because if Jameis Winston got Drew Brees' autograph, this is probably circa 2006 so, uh, you know, <laughs> let's do the math. He's, he's what, 24 <laughs> minus 13. So Jameis Winston was 11, I guess, around then. I'm guessing uh, if that's all true, the timeline, I think it probably is that Jameis Winston got an autograph from Drew Brees before any Saints fan did, Roy. <laughs> yeah, you might be right about that. Uh, and again, you know, that again, talking about being genuine, um, that, that's Jameis right there. He's a football fan and, uh, he still looks up to players like that. I, I sure he pro I'm sure he probably gets a, a real kick out of being on the same field as guys like Drew Brees and when he, when he is. And, um, you know, he clearly holds himself 
to the standard that those guys have established. And, um, you know, he does this. We do know about Jameis Winston, Mike, you and I, uh, you know, for being around him as much as we have been. Um, he he wants to be the best and he measures himself against those guys. You know, he's he's obviously had some moments in his career uh, on and off the field that uh, have prohibited him for or slowed his path uh, towards that end. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, if given an opportunity, he's he's going to get he's going to get he's going to make a good run at, at being one of the best ever because it matters so much to him. Uh, because he loves the game so much, and uh, I think that's an important element uh, in the development and just the way he's made up and just the way he he's kind of built for this league. It's such a long football season, guys. I'm in the Bucks locker room watching Ryan Fitzpatrick get really into playing ping pong today, and obviously a lot of players play ping pong. It's a popular thing in the Bucks locker room. It's a popular thing with many NFL locker rooms, but I was thinking, you know what? We're getting ready for another Bucks saints game. And Fitzmagic was unbelievable in that opener, unbelievable in week number two. And here we are a few months later. He's back on the bench. Now we're talking about Jameis Winston coming off two straight victories. I mean, Roy, a lot of things can happen in an NFL season. It's crazy. Yeah, and we've seen it all happen in this NFL season with the Buccaneers. We saw an incredible start that nobody saw coming. Um, The greatest start by a quarterback in the history of the game through three games. Nobody saw that coming. We saw a horrible dive by this team. Um, absolutely, you know, took themselves out of the out of playoff contention. Now we're seeing a rally. Uh, we saw the defense play some of the worst defense in NFL history for five six weeks, and now we're seeing a defense playing very respectable football. Um, hey, look, and I was one who was basically saying when the change came from Mark Duffner. And, and, it's, and it's true, and, and fans may not see it this way, but the truth of the matter is the first couple of weeks it wasn't any better. And there were a couple of weeks even after that when it wasn't any better. But overall, uh, this team defensively has gotten healthy. Um, it's gotten energized a little bit, uh, and it's figured the defense out. You know, everybody's wondering what happened with the defense. Well, they've gotten healthy, they figured things out, and now they're playing respectable football. And it's why... In the NFL season, you're right. It's such a long season. You can't take one week and say this defines the team. It doesn't. And uh, you can't. sometimes can't even take you know three, four games and say it defines the team. Because how would you define the Buccaneers right now? I don't know that you can. Who are they? Are they the team that started the season so hot? No. Are they the team that looked so terrible for you know four or five weeks after that? No. Are they the team we saw in the last couple of weeks? That's probably more like it. I think that's the team, but we still don't know for sure because now we get a a little bit better test. Now we're seeing them go up against a team that's still hot, granted coming off a loss, but that's hot. And and then they're going to go to Baltimore and and Dallas and play a couple of teams that are going to be challenges for them, but certainly beatable teams. So I I think we find out what this team really is uh, here in December. And, uh, I think that'll determine uh, how we look at the 2019, 2018 Yeah, season. I agree. You know, Drew Brees told me this week, uh, when looking at the Bucks, it's almost a tale of three seasons. Uh, you know, you had the Fitzmagic, you had Winston, and then he talks about the defense. As you mentioned, the defense getting a lot better after not being so good. And New Orleans can really relate to that as well. But I asked Dirk Cutter about the Saints defense. We'll get to that in just a second. But to close out Jameis Winston, you know, two straight victories, starting two straight games without turning the ball over. Has his mindset changed at all? He was asked that today. 
I don't think it's changed uh, at all. Um, I'm just focused on keeping it simple, man. Uh, not doing too much. Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm doing what I need to do. Yeah, you like you like that, Roy? I think right. Yeah, I do. I, I think that's exactly right. It's easy to say that his mindset has changed. That he's thinking, don't throw the pick, don't throw the pick, don't throw the pick. Um, but no, I think what's happened is he's simplified his game. Um, he's taking what the defense gives him. And this is what you have to learn in the NFL. You know, you can make, uh, you can go a long way. Tom Brady probably does this better than anybody. He takes what the defense gives him. Drew Brees does it too. But they take what the defense gives them. And if the defense has given you seven yards, you know, on an underneath route to a guy running a slant or a back coming on a, you know, running a wheel route, take it. Don't force it. 12 yards downfield, those four yard, those four or five extra yards don't matter as much as holding on to the ball and just being, you know, patient with it. Um, and I think James Winston is learning that. Did it take the, you know, the picks, uh, the 10 picks over four games for him to figure it out? Perhaps. Um, has he been told this before? Yes. Uh, will we fall back into the old habits? Possibly. You got to hope, though, that he comes out of those, uh, you know, those regresses a little bit quicker. And that's what you have to hope. You've got to hope that he remembers this, that the simple approach is the best, you know, and you know, this from your time in covering the lightning. Uh, and I think we, we probably all sports fans have heard this uh, phrase, you know, there's the old kiss system, keep it simple, stupid. And that's really what Jameis Winston is doing. He's reminding himself, keep it simple, keep it simple. And as long as you keep it simple, you're probably going to be successful. You may not be spectacular, but you're going to be successful. And you know what's spectacular? Consistent success. That sounds like hockey, doesn't it? That, that whole thing just sounds like <laughs> hockey. That's, that's why we love hockey so much. All right, well, let's talk about – let's get away from the quarterbacks a little bit, even though I have one more sound from Drew, soundbite from Drew Brees. But Dirk Cutter and his presser, I asked him today – you know, the, the one similarity in these two teams, because it seems like 10 years ago since that opener in New Orleans, both teams' defenses are, are much better, and they're, much, they're playing much better complementary football. Here's what Dirk Cutter answered my question, saying what he has noticed that's different about the Saints' defense heading into this game Sunday in Raymond James Stadium. Oh, they've been relatively injury-free on defense, so they've, they've played together, and I think they play extremely hard and extremely fast. I mean, uh, they uh, they don't make very many mistakes, and they're they're aggressive. You know, they, they give you a lot of five man pressure and a lot of man coverage. So, you know, in there's there's somewhat you're either gonna you're gonna make some big plays and you're gonna have some negative plays. In, in game one, you know, we hit we hit a lot of big plays on them, and I'm sure that's that's what they'll be trying to stop in this game. And they've they've reduced those and they've they've pressured the quarterback consistently throughout the year throughout their 10 game win streak. Yeah, it's amazing to me that the Bucks defense's story is more amazing because the injuries, Roy. I mean, the Saints defense had a lot of potential. They had a good year a year ago, but everything has really happened the wrong way with this Bucks defense from Quan Alexander, Kendall Beckwith not getting on the field, the entire secondary, including the safeties, not playing. Uh, last week, opposed to the team that started the season, uh, that that's to me the, the biggest story in this game. If you compare these two teams from the first game, yeah, I agree, uh, Mike. It's funny. Everybody's going to be focused on the two offenses, on the two quarterbacks. 
um, obviously in this game, and rightfully so. But if you want to dis- if you want to know where this game is going to be decided, it's on the de- defensive side. Who's going to come out? Are the Bucks going to continue their defensive role? I mean, we've talked all about how Jameis Winston's on a roll without the picks. Well, how about the defensive role the Bucks are are on? Six takeaways now in two games. They come in bunches. Their pass rush has been much better. Five weeks, the last five six weeks now, second or third in the league in in uh, sacks. They're obviously getting getting it done there, uh, simplifying things in the back end. Uh, they're playing very representable, uh, respectable defense, and so are the Saints. So I don't think we're going to see a shootout the way we did uh, last time around. I think we're going to see a fairly high-scoring game, um, it, but it wouldn't surprise me if the end is 28-23. Uh, you know, does anybody get to 30? Quite possible. But I don't know that we see 39-38 or 42-38 or anything like that um, because both defenses are playing pretty good football. No doubt about it. Uh, Drew Brees had this to say about the Tampa Buccaneers because he's going to have to face that defense this Sunday. But, uh, you know, I asked him about the roller coaster ride that has been this year's Buccaneers. This Bucks team has been kind of strange this year. They start off and they win in New Orleans. They beat the defending champs. They lose seven of eight, and now they've won two straight. What do you make of this Bucks team right now? Well, they they went through you know a little bit of a, a, a change there um, on the defensive side of the ball. I believe it was after the Atlanta game, you know, this year, where you know they fired the defensive coordinator, um, and I think it took them a few games then to maybe kind of reestablish their identity on that side of the ball. Um, but it is kind of the tale of two teams when, you know, maybe three teams, you look at them the first couple of games and then, you know, and then maybe that mid-season and now kind of this late, late, you know, season Bucks team, I think they're playing with a lot of confidence, um, especially having one, two straight. Um, they've, they have a string of games here at home, you know, where I think they feel like, you know, they can build some momentum. Um, you know, they've always been a very good pass rush team, you know, and so that's something you always have to have a plan for when you go up against um, the Bucks. But uh, you see guys in the secondary making a ton of plays. You know, they got four picks against Cam last week and the Panthers. So um, you just, again, you just see them playing with a lot of confidence and, um, you know, they, they, they seem to, to have some momentum going. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, this is a, a Saints team, Roy, that's still smarting. Of the, you know, after the Dallas loss, a game that was so uncharacteristic in so many ways. I mean, the defense really carried the Saints. Drew Brees had uh, arguably his worst game statistics-wise since he's been with Sean Payton. But now they're going to have more time to prepare for this game, and that's always dangerous with Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Yeah, it is. And you know what? The Bucks have to hope that Maybe the, they've caught the Saints at just the right time, um, maybe in a little bit of a slump. You know, every, look, every, most teams, I shouldn't say every team, uh, most teams go through it. They hit a stretch where they're just not quite as, as sharp as they have been, uh, you know, over the previous stretch. And, you know, maybe, maybe the Saints are in that right now. Um, the fact that they, were, you know, they, they didn't play that well against Dallas, struggled to really score points. You know, their confidence got to, maybe has a little bit of a nick in it right now. Here they are coming to Tampa, facing a team that, you know, surprised the heck out of them on opening day and is playing better with a lot of confidence. 
this this you know all adds up to a you know what could be a pretty good opportunity for the Buccaneers to keep their streak alive and keep the uh, the Saints streak uh, going. So uh, this is a it's an interesting matchup. Um, doesn't mean that the Saints can't win this game thirty eight to four or thirty eight to three. They could easily do it, you know. Um, but uh, at the same time, uh, there's every opportunity here for the Bucks to uh, to really uh, put a surprise victory out there. And I guess maybe this would be their signature victory for the season if they could win. Oh, this no game. doubt about it. I, I think if they win this game, Roy, and it's not a lot of stiff competition here, but where would this rank recently in wins for the Bucks if they win this game beginning the final quarter of the season against a team many consider the best in the NFC? It would be their third straight win, give them a ton of momentum, in the final three games? Well, it would establish them as a legitimate playoff contender again. Um, You know, again, even though they still have to win out, they're a team that you have to watch out for. And let's face it, uh, since week four of the season, no one has looked at the Buccaneers like that. Um, So for, you know, in essence, uh, two-thirds of the season so far, people have looked at the Buccaneers and said, oh, well, that's a win. Whereas if they win this one, uh, the, it's going to be completely different. It's going to be, no, no, watch out. This team's figured something out all of a sudden. Now we have to figure out what it is they've figured out or else we're going to be the next uh, notch in their belt. So um, very important uh, game for the Buccaneers. It, it Really, this, this is kind of the season, as it stands right now, this is the season right here. You win this one and everybody's looking at you thinking, wow, check these guys out. You lose it. Everybody's kind of like, yeah, that's what we thought. A little bit of a, a nice little run against a couple of teams who were struggling. Now they're back to being the box. <laughs> and we've seen that story many times in recent years. All right, before we get to our predictions and three and out, because you got to stick around for both of those, I thought an interesting uh, kind of a quote from Dirk Cutter at his press conference today was, you know, he talked about Ronald Jones. And Ronald Jones, let's face it, hasn't lived up to what many expected him to be, that compliment to Peyton Barber, the guy that could give you – uh, some burst and a breakaway speed and all that, everything he showed at USC. I mean, I'm looking at his numbers this year. He's had 23 carries for 44 yards. He's averaged under two yards a carry. He has a touchdown, but that's been about it. Here's what Dirk Cutter, who never shies away from talking about his players and, and pure honesty for the most part, here's what he had to say about Ronald Jones' season. Ronald is, is coming along, you know. I mean, I think that's just the best way to say it. He's coming along. He's improved tremendously in two areas, in, uh, in catching the football and in pass protection, but he just really hasn't been able to break out as a runner. And, you know, let's, let's face it, that's what he was brought here to do. And, you know, part of it is we haven't been able to get him to any open grass. I mean, it seems like he, he's always running into the back of the O-line. And part of, that is, part of that is luck of the draw. Part of that is, is defense and blocking. And part of it might be him. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I, one thing I have learned in my experience is, it's hard, it's hard to coach a runner that you've seen do it and tell him to do it different. You know, the word sugarcoat is not in Dirk Cutter's vocabulary. I love that about him. I love that he's honest. But if, if, if my boss is giving me an evaluation, Roy, and he says, you know what, that neighbor's guy, he's coming along. <laughs> I'm not feeling real good about that. No, I'm not feeling good about it either, but... Again, boy, I think it was an honest, genuine assessment. Oh, yeah, and yeah, really, no doubt. Yeah, but, and, but I also, I got to be honest, what I took from that is what I've seen, which is 
I have yet to see Ronald Jones really get a good hole to break yeah. through. Um, he's, you know, Dirk Cutter said it in that clip there. He's yet to see a lot of open grass, and he's usually looking right at the back of, you know, somebody's jersey, and they have not done a good job of opening holes for him. Now, it could be that, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe someone's reading the play much better when Ronald Jones is in there. Maybe they see it coming. Um, you know, I don't know what it is. Again, maybe part of that is Ronald Jones, but it has not worked out for him this year. There's no doubt about that. But I think at the same time, uh, to me, I don't think it's all on Ronald Jones. I don't think the offensive line has played well in front of him and given him much of a chance to succeed. And uh, I think that has to change before we see better play out of Ronald Jones. Yes, some of it is Ronald Jones himself. But again, Ronald Jones, remember, he is a guy who he's got to have a crease if he gets the crease, watch out, but he's got to have the crease. He hasn't had a crease. Well, Dirk Cutter also said your point. He said, you know, most of the time when you have guys who are playmakers in college and they make plays, it's a matter of time before they make them in the NFL. Now, he didn't give a timetable on that, but he almost kind of gave Ronald Jones an opening that we still believe in you. We've seen you do it before. We'll see if you can do it moving forward here. All right, guys, before we get to three and out, prediction time and and Roy's really you know we haven't kept the tally of this we probably should have I've been abysmal with this with this Bucks team because they're so um I, I don't know just unpredictable <laughs> I don't schizophrenic I don't know what what whatever they've been I, I, it's hard to get a pulse of this team but Roy's had it all year Roy what do you think Saints Bucks what's going to happen this Sunday I think it's a heck of a game um I really do uh, again I, I think both teams are playing pretty good football right now and but I see this as a Saints win. I think there's more at stake for the Saints. They're playing for home field advantage throughout the playoffs. The Buccaneers are playing to just kind of become relevant again. Um, the, the better quarterback is on the Saints, no question. The better running game is with the Saints. Um, I think the, the better defense is actually with the Saints. The Bucs have played much better, but it's still not quite where it needs to be um, in a lot of ways. So I still think this uh, this is a Saints win, but I don't think it's a blowout. I think it's a close game. I think something like 32-28 maybe uh, sounds about right, something in the maybe 33-28. But I think the Saints win. I think they score 30. And um, I think they uh, – just because they have a little bit more to play for and are just a little bit more polished right now. Justin, what you got? I think the Saints lost to the Cowboys – really stung them and I think they're going to want to come out like Roy said they're playing for the uh, first week by in the playoffs I think they know that they can't let up I think they're going to win I also think it's, it'll be a close game I'm thinking 31-24 well yeah I'm in agreement with the score here's another thing if the Saints win this game guys they'll win the NFC South it'll be the first time in franchise history they've won the NFC South in back-to-back seasons I, I, you know, part of me wants to say it's going to be close for a while and the Saints pull away because I think this is a, an angry football team a little bit after that Dallas game, no doubt about it. And I, I've never been – Cam Newton's one of those guys that, man, you never know what you're going to get from him. He could be really good, but last week he was really bad. And I think this Bucks secondary, I give him credit for making the most of their opportunities. I think they'll be a little healthier this week. You could see Grimes back. You could see MJ Stewart. But this is a beat-up secondary for the Bucs, and they're not good. And usually when that's the case, Drew Brees takes advantage. 
I'm going to go with my gut. I agree with the score in this one. I think it will be close, but I think the Saints pull away, and it's not so close in the fourth quarter. I'm going to say 38-27 Saints, and we'll check back next week. And every time I write these down, because um, it just <laughs> seems like every time I write them down, Roy's on the money. So uh, maybe it could be Saints 32-28. But with that said, you know what time it is, Justin. Three and out, baby. Three questions, and we are out of here. And these guys, uh, they don't know the questions I'm going to ask them. Sometimes I tell Justin, actually, but I didn't tell Justin this time. Roy never knows. We always keep Roy <laughs> distance because he's Mr. Off the Cuff. He, he nails it every time. So, all right, we talked about Ronald Jones. I'm going to leave Vita Vea out of this. But to me, it was kind of a, an interesting second round for the Bucks in the draft. And I think a lot of high hopes out of that. You know, when we did our draft shows, we were doing podcasts back then. But – um, I felt good about the Bucks draft. I like the Vita Vea move, and I like the Ronald Jones move. I like uh, getting two corners. But out of the three second-round picks, I know these guys have been injured, but who do you say has the best chance or the best future in the NFL a- after the small sample size, Roy? You have Ronald Jones, you have MJ Stewart, you have Carlton Davis. Wow. Um, out of that group, I'm going to go with uh... – I'll tell you what, on draft day, I probably would have said MJ Stewart, but I'm going to go with Carlton Davis. I think he's got special skills. Uh, I think he's a smart player, as is MJ Stewart. Um, <clears throat> I think both of those guys have the ability uh, to develop over time into uh, really, really top-level virtual Pro Bowl caliber players. Those two guys have Pro Bowl caliber talent. Um, Ronald Jones does too, um, but I just think those two guys are – Really, um, they have the ability in the way the NFL is played now to be strong defensive players. They're, they're physical. Um, they're, they're accustomed to playing at the line of scrimmage and getting their hands on guys, uh, being effective that way. Um, it's what you're going to have to do, and I'm surprised more teams don't do it. Uh, this is going to become more and more, I think, of a man-like league. So I think uh, – I, I really think that the, that's those guys are uh, – are the two? Uh, it's going to be between them, between them two, and I just like uh, I like what I see out of Carlton Davis. What do you think, Justin? Roy once again could just speak for me. I feel like he's <laughs> always answering my questions. Uh, no, I agree. As y'all know, cornerback is one of the hardest positions to come into the NFL and pick up, and I think uh, Carlton Davis has shown a lot of promise this year. So uh, it seems that as of now that he probably will be the best of the three. MJ Stewart's kind of been our guy. He's been our rookie diary here on PeterPirus.com. I really like him. I think he could be a great slot guy. Uh, he showed that in the preseason. He got hurt and he got behind a little bit. I think he's going to maybe come back the last uh, quarter of the season now. And but it's going to be interesting to see what this team does at the running back position in the offseason because I think Peyton Barber's shown that you know he has a lot of potential. But Ronald Jones, boy, just such a big question mark. We've kind of dove into that. But yeah, I got to see Carlton Davis. He to me, he kind of has that X factor in the corner. Um, you know, that that swag a little bit, that confidence where he doesn't let uh, any you know bad plays bother him, and he's got a lot of skills too. So I think it's Carlton Davis. All right, our second question, our three and out. We have no idea what's going through the Glazers' minds, and Roy's been through this for years with so many firings and hirings and the timing of decision. Remember they waited for John Gruden, and everybody was you know kind of I guess thrown off guard by that in some ways. Um, but Mike McCarthy's out there right now. 
What do you think are the possibilities, even if Dirk wins out, if Mike McCartney, Mike McCarthy wants to coach the Bucks, and if you're the Glaziers, do you what do you do in that situation? Do you do you just stick with Dirk even though he finishes strong? I, I, how do you handle that whole situation? Because he's out there right now. Yeah, I know he's out there. I don't think he wants to come here. I think he's got a better fit or he's going to be a better fit in Cleveland. I think that's probably where he wants to go. He's got a bit of a relationship there with uh, Dorsey, the uh, general manager. Um, I, I think that's probably where he's headed. The other question I have is, you know, if he couldn't get along with with Aaron Rodgers, you know, how's he going to do with James Winston? Um, you know, and let's face it, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, is as good a quarterback as there is. Um, I think there's a lot of questions right now about Mike McCarthy's ability to innovate. I mean, that's really what you heard coming out of the Green Bay camp is that, you know, he's kind of stuck in maybe the, boy, maybe even the 90s for all we know, certainly stuck in the, you know, 2000s. But uh, to me, it just seems like his offense is kind of, it's kind of a little old fashioned for for what the NFL is allowing these days with the, the way they've changed the rules. And I just think we're starting to already see a little bit of a trend towards teams wanting to get these um, these young, innovative minds uh, in charge of their offense. And I don't think Mike McCarthy fits that that um, uh, that model. And so that's the reason I think the Bucks would probably pass and maybe go with somebody, you know, another offensive mind, but someone who's a little bit more innovative than – because I think if you get Mike McCarthy, in a lot of ways you're just replacing Mike McCarthy with – or Dirk Cutter with Dirk Cutter. So I think they probably look a little bit younger and a little bit more uh, uh, different style. I think Aaron Rodgers is kind of a head case, though, in, in some way. <laughs> I don't know if many people can get along with that guy. I just, you know, I don't know. I, I, I've just talked to some guys who cover him in Green Bay, and he just seems like he's better than everybody else. And you know, I've covered Drew Brees for a long time, and, and I know guys who've covered Tom Brady, and it's not that way. You know, a lot of these guys are, are you know, they're, they're, they're special quarterbacks, they're future Hall of Famers, but I don't know what played in that. And, and before I get to Justin's take on this, Justin, I think if his name was Mike McCartney, I think Roy would have no problem with it. <laughs> no yeah. question. Uh, how about next podcast, Mike? You ask me first. Oh, okay. And yeah. then that way Roy can uh, follow up and uh, I can steal his thunder. I, once again, he said exactly everything I was going to say, so I'll just leave it at – Go back and listen to my uh, Roy's answer again. <laughs> Perfect. Well, guys, I don't know. Maybe I'll go Justin first on this. By the way, by the way, Mike McCartney is is a really good photographer, the brother of Paul, James really? Paul McCartney. Uh, his brother Mike, uh, a, a really good photographer. Follow him on Instagram or, Instagram or uh, Twitter. Uh, it's a good follow. See, Roy, Roy always brings something to the table, man, beyond football. But we'll never agree on the Billy Joel Elton John. <laughs> okay, um, last question. I'm getting ready to do this right now in my house. I'm not going to reveal my answer, but uh, Christmas is coming, guys. And uh, I'll go Justin first because he requested it kind of there. Um, okay, you like real trees or fake trees? Oh, real for sure. The only really? the only downside to a real tree is that it starts dying immediately, so it you know it can't stay around, but. There's something about the smell of a real tree 
in you know during christmas i don't know maybe it's because I, when i was growing up we always got a real tree uh they're paying to clean up after you got to water them <laughs> get needles all over the house but i still if i had no choice i would choose a real tree okay you have a real tree this year <laughs> okay i should <laughs> i should have prefaced by saying i haven't had one since i was i i've been an adult but Right. It's hard. But, I don't know. They're expensive. It's easy yeah. to have a fake one, but. Right. I have no idea what Roy's going to say. And I don't even know. It's it's a 50-50 question. And I and I think I would lose if I bet. But I, Roy, go ahead. Look, I'm, I'm a traditionalist, man. I mean, uh, I love day baseball. <laughs> um, I want to see teams take their time with quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I, like to I love it. I'm, I'm a tree. I'm a real tree guy. I look, I have gone both ways um, during different chapters in my life. Um, you know, look, I, I, I love a real tree and, and Justin made a lot of great points. Um, I don't mind the needles. Uh, I don't mind having to water it. Uh, the smell is exceptional. Um, and one of the great things you can do about with a real tree is when you trim it, you know, at the bottom to fit presents under and stuff like that. Uh, here in my house right now, uh, my wife has done a great job of, uh, you know, decorating the entire house with, uh, uh, you know, snips for, you know, snippets from the tree and stuff like that. So there's a lot of greenery around. Um, it's just, it's beautiful. Uh, a real Christmas tree, uh, it's what it's all about, man. I mean, it's uh, the, the whole idea of the tree is uh, uh, it's evergreen. It's to symbolize the, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the fact that we will never die. And uh, so there you have it. Uh, it's, it's got a lot of meaning to it. Uh, I believe in the real tree. You know, guys, uh, my mother, God bless her soul, left us uh, nine years ago, nine and a half years ago. It's crazy to think about it. She loved real trees, loved them, loved them, loved them. And I had no problem with them growing up, but I love my fake tree. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> you knew the bell was coming, didn't you? I did. <laughs> Um, thought, thought you would properly honor your mom by yeah. real tree. You know, here's the thing about the fake ones. They do a great job of making them look fake, but you know what? You yeah. still know they're fake. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of parallels to that in life, my friend, but we won't go down that road. Um, True. Yeah. But uh, now I'm ruining Christmas for everybody. But um, no, I, 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 I like my tree because um, the lights are perfect every year. I'm getting ready. To, my daughters and I are getting ready to do it right now. And I don't know. I, it's not a cost thing. I'm not, I'm not a cheap son of a gun or anything, but uh, I don't know, man. I like it, and it's worked well for years. I get why you like the, the real ones, though. I understand all that, but, but uh, I don't know. It's just, I've turned into a fake guy, I guess. <laughs> uh, you'll never yeah. be fake. All right, well, listen, um, happy holidays to everybody listening here on uh, – few extra bucks peterparis.com podcast we appreciate your support we're uh, gaining momentum each and every podcast uh, let's wrap it up for our esteemed producer justin thomas for our buccaneer insider roy cummings the meat of this a few bucks <laughs> podcast sandwich i am merely mike neighbors thanks to our style sponsors house of brews and sea dog brewing company great brews great food great service until next time, we'll see if uh, Roy Cummings is right again in his predictions. Thanks for logging on. <laughs>